Hello there, and welcome back to Beats by Social Work. I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany, your host for the show. We're so glad you came back. And for those who are tuning in for the first time, check out episode one to learn more about who we are. But a brief summary, we are both certified clinical transplant social workers who specialize in all things heart transplant and LVAD, also known as left ventricular assist device. Our goal is to talk all the things transplant and LVAD, from the social work perspective, and to bring the human element back into the world of transplant for our fellow social workers and our patients, as well as professionals who may stumble in. As a reminder, we are social workers, but we are not your social worker. So we hope topics discussed here will lead you to further discussions within your own transplant team. Welcome back to Beats by Social Work. As you all know, our goal is to bring the human element of transplant and LVAD from a social work perspective. Part of this goal is to raise awareness about resources and educate our listeners, which may include other transplant professionals and even sometimes patients. And today is no different. We are excited to have Kate LaCouture, Outreach Specialist at Help Hope Live. And so we start with a quote, we can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone by Ronald Reagan. Thank you, Tiffany, for finding that quote for us. You know, I love a good quote. And so with Help Hope Live, their mission and values is to support community-based fundraising for people with unmet medical expenses and related costs due to cell and organ transplants or catastrophic injuries and illnesses. Even with insurance, a health crisis can become a financial crisis. So for 39 years, Help Hope Live has been showing clients and families how to bring together a network of relatives, friends, neighbors, and fundraising efforts to help cover the costs of uncovered medical expenses. These efforts play a critical role in helping our clients recover and maintain their health and independence. And we happen to find on that website, Kate, that they actually have a little bio of you. So we stole that too. Your bio says that you're grateful for the opportunity to educate people about the benefits of Help Hope Live and the positive impact on the non-for-profit can have on individuals who are in extra need of support to pay for critical care. Now, I do have one gripe here because it says that your likes are watching the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) I mean, I guess I can give it to you because it's not teams that are like butting heads against the Chicago Bears, but I'm sorry, my friend, the Jets. Um, (laughs) But on that note, it also said you like hiking, running, skiing, the beach, concerts, and spending time with family and friends. Um, All things that I think we can all appreciate. Yes. Absolutely. So Kate, welcome to Beats by Social Work. So like Tiffany said, we did steal your information off of the website. That is the beauty of the World Wide Web, whether it's good or bad. Uh, So we want to hear more from you, though, and help hope live in your own words. Yeah, that description is definitely perfect. And, you know, what we really value and how our mission is, uh, you know, what our goal is every day. But so like Tiffany said, we don't want people's medical condition to turn into a financial crisis. And a lot of people don't understand how much a transplant costs. If someone's diagnosed with a catastrophic illness or injury, you know, a lot of people, including myself before working here, didn't realize how much all of that costs. So, and I also want to touch on some of our advantages as far as working with Help Hope Live and compared to um, other fundraising platforms such as a GoFundMe. Yes, please. That'd be great. Yeah. We're going to ask that question anyways. (laughs) 
Perfect. So our advantages are that we provide support with all aspects of fundraising. So a client gets assigned a client service coordinator and they can help our clients identify their community network, plan an actual fundraiser, help with Facebook fundraisers and social media fundraisers that someone is now specifically assigned to help with all of that. We can help create press releases that go out to local newspapers and news stations. So we really work closely with our clients to help with all that fundraising. Also, another great advantage is Help Hope Live doesn't impact a client's asset-based benefits such as Medicare and Medicaid because it is not the funds that are raised in a client's honor. It doesn't drop into their bank account. It's held within Help Hope Live and it's distributed through a fund request. So that's another major advantage of working with Help Hope Live. No, that is, that's so good to know because I I would hate for any one of our patients to be in a position where they raise all of this money and then they lose their benefits like Medicaid or food stamps, anything that's income-based. So they have this nice lump sum of money to help with their medications, but then no healthcare coverage or something like that. And I think a lot of people don't realize that's a possibility that can happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. We've seen clients fundraise and then lose their housing vouchers. And it's just heartbreaking to see that because they weren't aware. So we've had clients in that position and we do our best to educate them and have their funds either transferred from a different um, platform to us and then kind of go from there and also educate others about how we can help them prevent that from happening. I think that's great too, because I've had uh, patients ask that question. You know, if uh, we're talking about fundraisings with them and they've already started a GoFundMe or one of their families, I I do encourage them to talk with the campaign managers about that because I've seen that happen before where they've been able to transfer it. And thinking even about taxes, you know, pending some of these fundraisers are, Mm -hmm. they make a decent uh, amount from them and that can impact your, your taxes. Is that correct? Yes, that's another big thing. Yeah. When you go to take out your money from a GoFundMe, it's all taxed. And yeah, that could be a big chunk of what you've fundraised. And, you know, for us, what you fundraise is what you ultimately get to use for your medical expenses and medical costs. Nothing is taxed. Very good to know. So Kate, how did you get started in this field? So I actually have my MSW. I always knew I wanted to work for a nonprofit. Um, I began volunteering at a young age. Um, When I first graduated, I worked for a permanent housing facility in South Philadelphia. So I was always providing resources, helping people come up with ways to pay their rent, come up with ways to, you know, get to different places if they needed um, transportation. So I kind of know how it feels to be in that role where you are needing to provide those resources. And now in the role where I'm at now as outreach representative, uh, I really feel passionate about getting the word out to as many social workers and medical professionals as possible about this great resource that we're able to provide. So I kind of like, you know, flipped the role a little bit. And now I want to be the one to really educate others and get the word out and be able to help other social workers who are working directly with patients. That's awesome. Okay. So how have you seen your social work degree help you in this role? Can you elaborate a little more on that? You touched on it a bit in this question, but I want to, I want to stretch it a little more. I think if someone, like if a social worker were to call and say like, you know, I really need this for my patient, they're really struggling, just being able to really be on their same level and understand that 
they're the person advocating for their patient and this person really needs really needs some help with whatever it might be. So I think it's really just communicating and being understanding of someone who, a social worker who might call and have questions and just being able to take my time with them, really explain, help hope live, how we can be of assistance and just being able to relate to them on that level. That's wonderful. Now, question with Help Hope Live. You know, we talked a little bit about the transplant aspect of it, but the catastrophic. So is this something that OMED patients, so our left ventricular assist device patients would be able to to benefit from? Can you speak to that? Yes. So even if someone um, were to go on the transplant list and maybe they were taken off for whatever reason, they are still able to fundraise with us because they would basically fall into our, into our catastrophic illness category. You know, someone would still need medical attention, need to see doctors, have medical bills, have medication. So as long as someone who's taken off the transplant list or an LVAD patient has medical bills, we'll, we're able to continue to assist them. They can keep their campaign. Campaigns are never go away. They're available for a patient's lifetime. So we're always going to be there for our clients as long as they they need us ultimately. So I want to clarify a little bit of what you mentioned about LVAD for being able to be categorized under catastrophic illness. So for those of that are listening that may not be familiar with LVAD, there's two reasons why you could receive an LVAD. One is a destination therapy and the other one is a bridge to transplant. And so for those of our patients who have an LVAD as destination therapy, I want to make sure that I'm understanding you correctly, that they could also still fundraise with you, even if they are not a candidate for a transplant at any point. Yes. They could. Great. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that could obviously be a big concern for some of our patients and social workers that are listening where, uh, hey, this sounds like it's all transplant, but I I have an LVAD, is the, uh, but I have my own expenses. And sometimes those are just as great as transplant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I said, we really try to help as many people as possible and fit them into some type of category, which we usually can. Like I said, our guidelines really kind of expanded. And as long as an individual has medical bills, we're able to assist them. So in the past, um, I would say three to four years, we've really expanded who we can help. We really don't say no to too many people. So, and it's been great that having it that way. That sounds so great. I can actually attest to that DT LVAD aspect because I have encouraged some of mine. Because as you're, you said, Kristen, you know, people don't think about that sometimes of, you know, the, the LVADs have a significant amount of cost too. Thinking about being off work during the recovery and thinking about the caregiver needs during that time um, if your organization requires caregivers. So it's wonderful that they have such things. You mentioned that you're expanding. You guys have expanded more. Is fundraising the only thing that your organization does? Um, Fundraising is obviously our main focus. We do have some grants that are available to transplant patients. We try to partner with other organizations, so like a local organization that is able to provide us with grants for transplant clients, which has been great. We also do Hope Talks, which are educational interviews and um, like our conversations that we we host. So we've had one on the stages of transplant where some of our brand ambassadors 
have discussed that they were all at different stages of their transplant. They explained, you know, their process, how they worked with Help Hope Live, also their transplant process. And we've also had Hope Talks on how to fundraise for an accessible wheelchair van. So our topics for those are growing. We try to do them about five times a month. So we do have like a small educational portion to, um, to our nonprofit. Probably those two would be the main, the main ones. That's really fascinating. And it's really, it's also great to be able to have access to different educational opportunities too. Where could our listeners find that? So those Hope Talks are on our YouTube page. So they're all recorded and you can just type in Help Hope Live on YouTube. They'll all come up. We have a bunch of videos on there, including stories from our clients because every client does have the opportunity to have a personalized YouTube video created for them. So all those YouTube videos are on there. So a potential client could see see those videos. They're mainly created for people who might be struggling to share their story. So this YouTube video can be sent out through email or posted anywhere. You can send it to someone in your family who maybe has a big social media presence. They can just post this video and, you know, you can explain, a client can explain why they're, why they're wanting to, why they're needing to fundraise. Um, so those are all on our YouTube page as well. Awesome. That's cool. So I like that you help the clients um, create those too that are having trouble telling their story. It just gives them that other outlet. Yes, exactly. So that's a, a very creative way. What what would you say is the most creative thing you've seen in fundraising, the most creative fundraiser? Mm, there has been a few really good ones. People, I've seen a really successful polar plunge, which was interesting. I think it became an annual event. People during the pandemic did community yard sales and some of our clients have fundraise a good amount by doing that. And it was nice because it was outside and um, able to be social distanced. People do barbecue uh, drive-throughs. So they'll, you know, set up their barbecue pits, maybe with a neighbor, and they'll tell their family and friends that they're having this barbecue event and people can either, you know, come and sit for a little bit or they can just come and pick up their barbecue and, you know, move on with their day. So that has been cool to see. We've seen a few people do that who have access to, um, who have access to a smoker, whatever it might be. Well, speaking of from the, the Texans here and in our audience, uh, there's you're always spitting distance from a smoker or barbecue. So that is always a very successful mm-hmm. one in in my part of the world. Uh, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's great. Uh, Kate, is there something that you want transplant social workers would or should do more when helping patients prepare financially for transplant? I think the biggest thing is just to be as as encouraging as possible to have them just give them give us a call because that initial phone call, they'll speak to one of our client service coordinators. The coordinators will give them an overview. Even if someone is very hesitant to start fundraising, our coordinators do a really good job at helping them to get be more comfortable, help them think outside the box on an idea that they might not have thought about. So really having a social worker be encouraging to their patients on just calling us. And also um, more recently, 
we've really pushed the idea that if a patient is uncomfortable with calling us, we're happy to give them a call. So as long as they're okay with it and you as uh, the social workers provide us with their email and their phone number and their name, we're happy to give them that initial call. And that really helps to just have them able to talk to us. We're the ones who are doing it and they're more likely to be um, to talk to us since we're the one reaching out. So what are some of the things that fundraising can help with? Mm -hmm. So fundraising can help with medication, a hospital bill, copay, temporary relocation, donor search fees, home modifications, an accessible wheelchair vehicle. We can also help with emergency living assistance for up to three months. So rent, mortgage, utilities, also caregiver expenses for someone who might need a caregiver. So I would say those are um, a few of our major things that we see that our, our clients request their funds for the most. Can you elaborate more on the caregiver expenses? Because, and the reason I ask this is, and Tiffany, you might be able to attest to this as well. We often get, well, I'm, I'm going to be paid to be their caregiver, right? And it, as we may or may not know, uh, unfortunately, insurance hasn't caught up to the demands of medicine and what some of our patients need. So a lot of our caregivers are unpaid. And so can you elaborate more on what you mean by that? Yeah, so... Funds that are raised in a client's honor can be used for essentially re reimbursing their caregiver for their time. So basically clients are responsible for screening hired caregivers and setting the hourly fee. They also determine whether caregivers should be treated as employees or independent contractors for tax purposes. So that would be basically using um, like a Bayada or some other home health care agency. And then we're able to provide the caregiver with the timesheet if they're deciding to treat their caregiver as their own employee. They submit that when they're submitting a fund request for all this. And also caregiver expenses will either be reimbursed directly to the client or paid directly to a third party provider. And no direct payments to caregivers will be made by Help Hope Live. So like I mentioned, a client must submit either a caregiver caregiver's timesheet or each caregiver for each of the days that they're working and um, or a payroll report will go to that third party provider. So that's basically the process that we have. We also definitely encourage every client who's deciding to do this to just talk to their coordinator ahead of time and they'll be able to answer any questions that they may have and kind of explain things a little further. And when you say coordinator, you mean the coordinator through Help Hope Live, not their transplant coordinator, correct? Correct. Yes, their client service coordinator with Help Hope Live. Yes. Okay. That's not confusing at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know that many people go by the title coordinator, so wanted to make sure that that was clear. <laughs> so let me ask this, because I didn't realize that that's you learn something new every day, right? I always thought and told caregivers, you know, save your receipts for meals. You can be reimbursed for that. But you're saying they could be potentially reimbursed for their, if I'm if I'm understanding this correctly, their assistance with finances to pay rent or their gas to get to and from the appointments. Is that correct? For the caregiver themselves? Correct. The caregiver can receive per diem meals. I think it's one to two meals per day. So those receipts should be saved. And every client 
that for a travel expense or for meals gets a caregiver included in that. So if a caregiver were to be driving the client or the patient, then that could be considered um, something that they could be reimbursed for, yes. Wonderful. So save receipts. Save receipts and keep track of mileage as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're taught in the world of social work the importance of documentation. So I'm hearing we should teach that to our patients as well. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, that's really good to know. And I'm with Tiffany on this there. You learn something new every day. And I'm sure that that would help a lot of caregivers to know that they could, based on the money that they raise and making sure they document it accordingly, that they could potentially be reimbursed for their time that they provide care to the patient. Yep. Yep. Especially those caregivers who are not working at all or not working as much. This can subsidize that a little bit if the client has fundraised for that. Now, do you have any particular resources that our listeners could access in order for, like as a reference point for this information? So I do have a PDF that goes over how this process kind of works and how the funds are dispersed. So we can hopefully include that somewhere and it explains things in a little more detail. And obviously it's easier to read read something and kind of see it firsthand. Awesome. Yes. A lot of people, you know, uh, spouses aren't working as much because they have to take care of their loved one or their significant other. So yeah, it's definitely a great thing that that we can provide. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said the fact that they can it can assist with some emergency funding for the household bills because that is primarily I I'd say for me, Kristen, I I'd like to hear your answer too. When working with patients, especially in the world of heart, VAD, lung, where we have that extended period of time, you know, three months or more sometimes for caregiver needs, it's a lot. It's a lot to be off work. It's a lot for the caregiver, especially if they live in the same home to be off. And that's probably one of the number one costs concerns that that I see when doing financial assessments with patients. Kristen, would you what would you say is your biggest cost concern? No, I think that you're you're absolutely right. And because unfortunately it's often where I have a patient or family that they're have they get in a position where they have to choose between their light bill or their medications mm-hmm. or some basic mm-hmm fundamental living need. And, and I hate anyone to see, to be in that position. And the only other thing that I will add is a lot of times people don't realize that their co-pays and deductibles start over at the beginning of every year. So Mm. right now we're in the month of January and I have a lot of patients that they met their deductible last year, but now they're needing those heart caths again. They're needing those meds. They're they're still needing all the care that they've needed for the last several years, but now their copay is $1,500 instead of 20 because they haven't met that amount. And so they find themselves in a tremendous bind and, and postponing testing and postponing getting meds filled as a result of not meeting that deductible and being at the beginning of the year. I have a couple of patients too that uh, things were good going into the, the transplant, but they got transplanted end of December. They're still mm-hmm. in the hospital. So in that time frame, the reset button starts. And so things that they kind of thought, oh, we're good because this is happening at the end of the year and now we're we're in it or the patients are years out. So they don't mm-hmm. have that major hospital bill or all those those follow-up visits that are kind of working that deductible down in time or as quickly as it used to be, like you said, Kristen. It, and so that brings up a point. Is there a time period of when people can fundraise? Can they do it years after their transplant if it's needed? 
yeah, they can start whenever they choose to. We definitely encourage people to start fundraising as soon as they know they might need a transplant. But if something were to happen where suddenly they, you know, have higher medical bills years later, they can still continue to fundraise. If, even if they need help paying for their medications six years later, they can start fundraising with us at any point in time. So we have no, no restrictions on that. Cool. All right, Kate. So what keeps you in the world of transplant and fundraising? So I just really enjoy, you know, learning different people's stories, obviously helping others. My grandfather, he had a kidney transplant, I think about 10 years ago. So that was a difficult, interesting process. Thankfully, he didn't need to fundraise, but, you know, it was still a hard time. He was on dialysis. So it's a little bit of that personal experience that I've gone through. And also since going to a few conferences this past year, I started when COVID hit. So this past year was really when I started to be more in person with social workers and hearing their client stories, hearing how passionate a lot of transplant social workers are. Like, it's just a really, you know, it's a great environment. Everyone who I've met has been amazing. So, you know, you all as much as possible and being there for you all. Transplant social workers? Passionate? What? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, Kate, what would you like to see in the future of transplant fundraising? You know, you're a social worker, so you know what we all learned in Social Work 101 class is the magic wand or the miracle question. So if you had a magic wand, <laughs> what, and you waved it for the future of transplant fundraising, what would it look like to you? Ultimately, I wish no one had to fundraise for a transplant. That would be amazing. But I would like the community to know just how much it costs because people don't realize how expensive it is and how not everything is covered by insurance. So I think if that was more widely known, it would also help our clients feel more comfortable fundraising because it wouldn't be such a big, you know, a big deal why are you fundraising for this? Isn't it covered by your insurance? Well, no, it's actually not. So I think that educational piece is really what would be amazing to be different. We do encourage some of our clients to add a little bit of that educational aspect. Like, So it, it is also them fundraising, but also them letting their community know that this happens to millions of people and this is why I have to fundraise. And so just having more people know about the cost of it, I think would really help, help everyone, help us, help our clients. And, you know, that would just be great. Okay, so I have an activity for us real quick. I am going to mix things up. The game is that you have to, you come up with a category and you have to keep going and come and say something in that category. And whoever can't come up with something then is nixed out of the round. Okay, so I, the reason I'm bringing this game up is because Kate makes a good point that there is a lot of things that insurance does not cover. Yes. It covers the surgery. It covers the hospitalization. There are so many things it doesn't cover. So we're going to just very briefly see how many things we can say insurance doesn't cover. All right. So the order will be Kristen, Kate, Tiffany, and then back to Kristen, Kate, Tiffany. Okay. So I'll go first. Parking. Um, temporary relocation. Shoes for cardiac rehab, pulmonary Ooh. rehab, 
That's an oddly specific one. <laughs> um, your light bill. Donor search fees. It's a good one. Some of them don't pay for behavioral health therapy. Mm. Therapy for your children. Outpatient child life services. Travel to and from appointments. Food in the cafeteria when you're at your appointments all day and food for the caregiver where they're at their appointments all day. So I'm piggybacking on Kate, if I'm allowed to, but uh, gas and car maintenance if you were someone who did not drive as often before your appointments. Um, I'm not sure if this is one, but any rehab that they might need? So some will. Some will, some won't. It depends on the insurance. Just like travel and lodging. Some insurances do cover it. Some of them don't. So we can put that in its its Mm -hmm. separate category there. Mm -hmm. Because if you're one of them, like Medicare, for instance, doesn't cover travel, lodging. Uh, I just had a a unique insurance from a patient that didn't cover home health care. And they needed a little bit more therapies after. So yeah, that that works. Uh, Emissions, car admissions. I've had car admissions come up in the middle of their transplant. And that was an extra couple hundred bucks that they didn't account for. One time I had a patient who, because they were in the hospital for so long, they didn't run their, like, they didn't go to the home and check on their house a lot. And so some of their appliances ended up going out and they had to replace their appliances when they got home. But they had fundraised and so they were able to get new appliances because it had, it were related to their hospitalization. Oh, I had one, but I just Oh no! <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say like heating, um, heating and air conditioning when, if you're not home or even if you are home. Bills don't stop just because you're getting a transplant. So what I always tell my patients, your basic needs, even if you're not mm-hmm. using as much, you still have to pay that flat line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Okay. I'm going to go with your, your supplies. So like your, your notebook, your pens, your phone bill, like the things that you need to like highlighters, if you want to stay organized with it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can see how just right there in the three minutes that we did this, there is a tremendous amount of things, especially if you get creative, like Tiffany and her cardiac rehab shoes. <laughs> I love that, that people need and why fundraising is so important. So thank you for indulging me in the game. (laughs) Now, here's my question then from that game. Kate, would all of those count as things that you could submit for fundraising? Because they all were related to the transplant process, but through through Help Hope Live, could they submit for for that? Mm -hmm. Yes. All of those things should, should qualify. So all the more reason that fundraising with us is, you know, so helpful. So all those things that don't stop when you're in the hospital, yep, we can help with. Perfect. And so and if, if anybody gives grief, I'm going to say the cardiac rehab shoes and the culinary <laughs> rehab shoes, the highlighters and the pens, I will mm-hmm. fight for that they all count towards transplant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> All right. All right. I I love that, though, because you you bring up such a great point when you were talking about people always say that's covered by insurance or why do you have to pay that? And it makes the patient feel even worse. You know, this is a time where they weren't expecting often and they're we're encouraging them to fundraise and then they get met with this backlash. I wish there could be a campaign. Can we start a commercial, an advocacy, a billboard, something of a, it's real life, you know, and unfortunately we don't live in a world where you can just 
get a lot of free things and Mm -hmm. insurance has a lot of limitations. It's necessary. I mean, Mm -hmm. without insurance, we'd be in an even worse spot, but it doesn't make things easier for the patient that's asking for some assistance when people are, are pushing back and saying, well, that should be covered by your insurance. Or my uncle's brother's cousin's best friend got that paid for. Recognizing Mm -hmm. that all insurances are different too. And I'll also jump in with that the adult world and the pediatric world is very different. And so when we have social workers who may have worked in the pediatric world and their insurance is covered so much more, and then they transition into the adult world and they see, wait, wait a minute, their Medicaid doesn't cover what a child's Medicaid did or, you know, any other type of insurance. I see that a lot where it's a huge way up call or shift in thinking. Yeah. Well, so Kate, is there anything else that you feel we should have asked you or that you want people to know? Um, I think really, like I mentioned, for people who are hesitant about fundraising or unsure, don't know a lot about how to do it, just to go to our website, go to our YouTube channel. Like I said, there's a ton of information about us. The YouTube videos are super helpful. Also, just giving us a call at our 800 number. You can talk to a coordinator for an hour if you need to. So, and for any social workers who want more information, you know, please feel free to give me a call or email me. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. So, you know, we want to help as many people as possible and we're willing to do whatever it, it takes to, to get you in the door. Great. Thank you so much. And we'll include that information in our show notes. So Tiffany, do you have a Likert scale for us today? Huh, all right. Uh, on a scale of, I'm going to go with my theme here. On a scale of shoes that have no backing that have very slippery underneath sole so when you're walking down the hall you're kind of sliding around your shoes are sliding out from underneath of you and all you're just trying to do is get your legs to work again to the most comfortable shoes with bounce ankle support that really help you get that rehab in where would you say you are today i would say um like a croc is where I'm at. Okay. Mm-hmm. Comfortable, light, you know, it's Friday. So feeling pretty good. Yeah. I love it. And Kristen? Uh, I am the hospital sock. <laughs> I am the hospital sock. I don't have anything to elaborate to that. Just that I hope I find the other sock. <laughs> I'm, I'm just one sock. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay. What about you, Tiffany? Oh, I am, I'm like a, a, a sandal that the pieces come out the bottom. So I'm kind of like trying to keep it, keep it together. So I'm hobbling and hobbling down and, and keeping it from breaking all the way. So you sound like one of those little like clapping things when you walk. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kate. It was a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you for the conversation and for telling us more about Help Hope Live. We will make sure to put everything in our show notes so that they know where to find you and find Help Hope Live. Uh, so have a wonderful Friday and we look forward to chatting with you again soon.
Awesome. Thank you for having me. Beats by Transplant Social Worker hosts Kristen and Tiffany and affiliated guests and programs expressly disclaim responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of your reliance on the information contained in this podcast or in any media. And none of the persons and entities noted above endorse specifically any test, treatment, or procedure mentioned in the show. Always consult your own treatment team or institution for guidance on your individual care and or practice and policies.